When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to part two of this episode of Move. Jamie, are you ready? Dude, I'm always ready. I'm strapped in. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to be inspired, which is our word that we love to use. Let's do this. Part two of Move. A lot of people are so scared to go and ask because they're scared of the rejection, right? They're scared of people saying, actually, no. But what is the worst people thing people can say? They can say, no, that's it, it's done, you move on, you try and find the next one. And, and people are so worried about uh, other people's reactions. But in fact, no one's ever going to react badly. As Ed said, we had a huge, you know, everyone wanted to help. You know, Ben, when we reached out to you to come on the podcast, you were grateful to because everyone has a story. Everyone wants to talk about the story and everyone wants to help everyone else because actually not only does it validate you as a person because you're helping other people, you feel good that you're helping someone else. So go out there, ask for help from everyone and try and push boundaries. Go and ask everyone to go and do it. And that's what you did. Absolutely. Send that cheeky message and, you know, don't necessarily feel it is cheeky. Just send the message. And as you said, what's the worst that can happen? Someone will say no. Um, and then as you said, there are plenty of people out there who will actually offer advice. Um, so, you know, reach out to multiple different people so that definitely at least one person will say yes. To so everything was accelerated forward. So uh, yeah. And then what happened? So accelerated forward. So um the stage before going on Crowdcube. So Crowdcube's quite an interesting one. So a lot of investments that go on Crowdcube, you're always probably wondering how do they get funded so quickly, right? And it's a bit of a, you know, you have to do quite a, work, a lot of work before it actually officially goes live. Um, so they basically said, look, unless you can um, have 20% of the money pre-raised, you can't actually go on Crowdcube. So I was going after £100,000, just like the guy in the year above me. Um, so I thought, okay, well, how on earth am I supposed to find £20,000? <laughs> and can I just ask you, did you pick £100,000 because the guy in the year above had done £100,000? Honestly, <laughs> picked that exact number and I also picked the exact same valuation as him really purely just because I was like because he had done if it if you can do it I can do it exactly there was yeah. honestly nothing behind it but, really but do you know what's so funny that everyone everyone is uh, just treading water just going especially at the beginning going well I don't know what I'm doing I'm just gonna give it a go because someone else did it right 100% well, the, the, there is actually this thing in the UK which is really encouraging um, for UK startups called um, SEIS, which is Seed Enterprise Investment Scheme, which basically offers tax breaks for those who invest within companies. Um, so it's actually up to £150,000. But um, essentially, if someone was to invest £10,000 and they were a top-rate tax earner, they would get £5,000 off their next tax bill. And then also, if the business fails, they have something called entrepreneur's relief, where they'd get a further £3,000 back. So really, from their initial £10,000 investment, only £2,000 is actually at risk. So it becomes very attractive. Well, so basically what happens is you basically, uh, if you get a return of 80% of your investment, if it all goes to shit in the simplest form, right? That's exactly. what happens. And you get 50% when you do it. It's a great way to do it. I, I totally agree. But you said so you were trying to raise £100,000. Crowdcube had said, right, the only way you're going to get onto our platform is you if you raise 20%. You had to go and find £20,000. Now, that is a lot of money. Where do you go? Who do you speak to? How do you get that? 
so I basically set up, <laughs> as weird as this sounds, a bot on LinkedIn. So I basically set up this bot on LinkedIn, which would add every single person that had the word investor um, in their subject title and were based in London. Um, so I was adding all of these people consistently. And then when they were applying, I was sending them each a custom actual message saying, hi, you know, I'm looking to raise some money for the business. Here's this investment deck, the investment deck that I'd worked on with that accelerator program. And, um, you know, said, would you be interested in pledging some, um, you know, cash towards this? And maybe a thousand, if not more no's before I finally got even the first bite. And the first <laughs> bite was someone who then ended up not even investing. But it's, you know, it was the way where I was able to get all of those initial people who were interested. I suppose that just relentless chase to go out there and do that. Was... Oh, you know, 100%. Uh, it's, it's all about that consistent messaging, sending, as I was saying, I know that cheeky message where, you know, what's the worst going to happen? And that worked in the end. That, that was... That's how, we got, that's how we got our first £20,000. And then went, like once it actually is live, then I was going wow. back out to everyone saying, the campaign's now live. <laughs> I know you ignored my last message, but here we actually are um, live and we've already raised a bit of money. And CrowdCube works where people are a bit of sheep, you know, they follow totally. other people. So once you've got that initial injection, people are like, okay, well. And, and you overfunded, right? You went to 150 something. So yeah, so we, we managed to raise £100,000 actually in 24 hours. So what happened is... I'd had 20 grand pre-ready, but then obviously I went back out spamming everyone. And I, I mean spamming everyone from the first hour in the day to the last hour of the day. That was absolutely no How sobbing. many people do you think you spammed or you went through? How many How many thousands or hundreds? I'm, I mean, no, definitely thousands, <laughs> really? if not tens of thousands. I think, so what I, I mean, you know, these are days before GDPR as well. So what I also did is I would go onto all of these like Facebook pages called like London startups and EU startups. And there are, there is a massive startup, you know, community, community yeah. um, who are willing to offer advice, um, which is fantastic. But also a lot of these startup communities already have these like massive like Excel spreadsheets of email addresses of investors, of people who have perhaps already expressed interest in investing in companies at the moment. Um, so I basically took all of those email addresses, whacked it into MailChimp, sent out MailChimp saying it's now ready. Um, and it was again, just a case of following people up, getting them interested. So did a hundred grand in 24 hours, which is cool. And then we stopped it actually after That's three days. That's pretty exciting as well though, isn't it? When you, when you have your business and you're going, because you, you get your initial £20,000 and you go, right, because you have no idea if it's going to work or you, you don't know if people are going to bite to it. And people suddenly bite. Not only does that give you self-confidence in that your business is a great idea, you suddenly got a hundred odd grand to play with, which is, you know, a hundred times more than what you ever had to begin with. I mean, it was completely like the first time I was actually like, wow, this is actually has the potential to be much more than a bedroom, you know, business such. This is much more than just a cool idea. This is something which can actually go places. Um, and we ended up having 139 people actually invest into the company, which was cool. Um, and that's, I think, one of the advantages of CrowdCube is that you have multiple different people. And, you know, we had quite a lot of people actually follow on invest in subsequent investment rounds too. And it's all because they bought into that, you know, initial culture. What what equity did you give away at the beginning for your hundred grand investment? So again, it was a bit of you know plucking stuff out of thin air. There. <laughs> um, so for some reason, we said, okay, our pre money valuation at the time there was seven hundred fifty thousand um, pounds. So ended up raising one hundred fifty four thousand pounds, which is around sixteen percent that we gave away. Bear in mind, this was a business which was just me at university at the time running the business, and it was only then when I was like, okay, well. 
I've raised all this money. I should probably drop out because people have actually installed their confidence into me that, you know. And did you know what you were going to do? Did you did you have a kind of clear route then? You said, okay, I'm going to raise this money. What happened next? So um, actually, interestingly, before I dropped out, um, there was a guy on my course in like about eight years above me. So he wasn't at the same time. Um, but his name was Ajaz and he founded a company called AKQA. Um, which is a really successful creative agency that sold to WPP for 300 million. And I was, saw that and I was like, wow, really inspirational. So he has this very open policy with emails where he has his email address public and he's like, if you ever want to send me a message, drop me a message. So obviously, you know, got on that, sent him over an email and said, look, I've just raised this money on Crowdcube, thinking about dropping out. Do you think it's a good idea? You know, I was on the same course as you at Bath. And he said, absolutely no way, do not drop out. So I, <laughs> I, I, you know, I took that, dropped out, and then sent him an email after saying, by the way, <laughs> I know I came to you for advice, but I have actually still dropped out. And then he actually said, good, I'm really glad you did, but I just didn't want your parents then calling me up, having a go at me for saying, you told my son to drop out. What, but what gave you, if you went to him for advice and then didn't listen to the advice, what were you hoping for? I don't know. It was more that, you know, there's that thing where, you know, I guess I was so pumped full of energy once I'd done the crowd cube race that I was like um, almost needing that self-validation, yeah. as bizarre as it sounds. Um, I often feel, you know, going back to what we were saying earlier about being young, I sometimes feel I have like imposter syndrome. I was well. just about to say that. Yeah. Continue. Sorry, Ben. Yeah. No, it's, you know, exactly like that. So I almost needed that self-validation that I was making the right decision. And you know, although he, he didn't give me that self-validation, I think there was other people who had also gone for advice who were like, no, go on, you have to. Do. And I also felt, as I said, the fact that 139 people had put their confidence in me meant I couldn't let them down. And I would have either been trying to do university half-heartedly while also doing the business half-heartedly. And quite honestly, probably both would have ended up failing. So it was much better to be committed to one idea and seeing how that goes. And do you fundamentally believe that you have to commit to one thing in order to make it work? Especially at the start, yes. And you, and you have to be passionate about that one thing as well. Because if you try and deviate, you know, or if you, if you hit any roadblocks along the way, you will just give up. And it's very easy to give up as well. Totally. The uh, I want to go touch on that thing about starting alone and the imposter syndrome. Because how alone did you feel? Uh, because uh, something like the, the percentages are very high, you know, 70% or maybe maybe that's uh, women, but, you know, well over 50% of people have a co-founder when they start a business and they do it together because the pressure, uh, money, uh, actually just having a companion is much easier. Did you feel alone when you started? Because I'm sure a lot of people listening will go, well, I'm starting a business. I feel very alone. I don't have a co-founder. Do I need to have a co-founder? What are your thoughts on that? A hundred percent, if I'm honest. You know, it, it was one of those very... Um, I guess, lonely states, but I was quite fortunate. Um, one of my best friends has his own drone company. It's called Skyfly. And he, at the same time, had dropped out of King's to focus on his own drone business. So we actually worked in an office together and we're like, you know, building up our businesses together. So it, it felt like we were co-founders in each other's businesses because we were consistently bouncing off ideas together. And I think without having him there, I would have probably given up um, because I didn't really have that necessary support at the start. And I think actually as the business started growing while working alongside him, and I really kept trying to bring him into the influencer world and try to bring him along the journey, but he was like, no, mate, you know, I'm trying to grow this one. Um, I then realized actually I do need a co-founder and that's when I brought on an actual co-founder, which I can go on to sort of mention. But I think that's interesting. Even if you don't have a co-founder, there's so many opportunities now with the 
co-working being so popular and this kind of thing that to surround yourself with other people that are running a business. You don't just have to have a co-founder. And I think sometimes it can probably have a negative effect if you're desperately searching for that perfect co-founder and not if that's the thing that's holding you back from starting your business, then think about other ways to to perhaps surround yourself with good people. It doesn't just have to be a co-founder. Totally. Uh, and then this is the big moment. So we sort of get onto, which I mentioned at the beginning, that in some ways we're slightly similar in our businesses because... Uh, I went to university. I had an idea to set up a sweet company. Uh, really had no idea really what I was doing. Met Ed. Ed uh, had a design company. Uh, we're the same age. Ed a little bit younger. Um, I asked Ed to help me design sweets. Ed said, okay. Ed started designing it and uh, then became on board and we became co-founders of Candy Kittens and we built it together. And you know, a lot of people have said and we've realized that our business wouldn't have worked without me and it certainly wouldn't have worked without Ed. And that's why that sort of combination just perfectly comes together. Uh, and you're in a similar situation where you are the sort of person who drives it forward. And we always say these in talks, you know, uh, I'm on the outside scope, people know me as the founder of Candy Kittens. And in fact, probably I get all the praise because of it, because I'm the face of the business. But in fact, I'm the train. The person driving it is Ed and the team behind it. And that's what happens. And they don't always get all the praise. I suppose with uh, you, Ben, at the same time, is that uh, your co-founder is Casper Lee. Yep. And Casper Lee is one of the UK's biggest YouTubers, uh, has, uh, you know, 10 million subscribers on YouTube, over 5 million on Instagram. I mean, huge social following. How did you meet him? How did you pitch the idea to him? How did you start working together? So I guess in one sort of short phrase, it was a tin success story. But bear with me on this one. So <laughs> with the tin success story, because everyone always like, you know, wonders more details around that is... So Casper actually matched with one of my best friends on Tinder, this girl called Maddie. And they ended up going out for about nine months after this. And when they were going out, I was like, Maddie, you have to introduce me to Casper. You know, I've just dropped out of university. I'm really trying to grow this company. I'm really dedicated full time to it. Um, and I really feel having someone like Casper on board would really help amplify it. Um, and I was more thinking at the start, you know, having Casper on board perhaps as an, an advisor or something like that, you know, something... You know, in in that sort of level, and she was like, "Look, I'll set up a half an hour coffee. I can't guarantee anything will come from it, um, but you know, I'm happy to do this." So she set up this half an hour of coffee, and it ended up being about a three hour creative strategy session between Casper and I. And that was when I knew that he was really, you know, the perfect fit for the co-founder for this business because, you know. I myself really, really care about the advertisers in the business. I really care about, you know, working out how they can get, you know, the biggest return of investment from the money that they're putting into their ad spend. And Casper really, really cares about making sure that the creators um, are receiving fair value and are actually getting involved in these really inspiring campaigns. Um, so it's that balance really between us where Casper's really creator focused, I'm really advertiser focused, which keeps the healthy balance and makes influence work like it is today. Um, but Casper, you know, himself is truly one of the most inspirational blokes I know. And he is very, very entrepreneurial minded. Um, and, you know, YouTubers don't necessarily have the best name. A, a lot of them just see them as these sort of pranksters who just make videos in his room. And the thing which I guess made me so interesting having Casper on board 
was that he was always the visionary. He was always thinking about new ideas. Um, even, you know, just on his YouTube channel when we were initially discussing about what the potential was for where he could expand, it, you know, he was also thinking about other sort of business ideas. And I was thinking, you're the sort of energy which can help boost me further, where together um, we can really make um, influencer into something great. Um, so, you know, obviously it took a couple of months of negotiation as things always do. Um, <laughs> but honestly, haven't looked back since and haven't even looked back at the contract <laughs> since the week time when he came on board either. Um, but honestly, um, you know, couldn't be happier having co-founder. And how, how how tricky is it to find a, is someone that you click with and you work with? And how important is it to find that person? Because you could have looked at Casper Lee and you could have said, right, he has all this following. Um, he probably has some money behind him. This will be great because not only we have access to cash, but also we have access to a social following. Did you look at that and were blinded by that or you went deeper into it? I'd say initially that was probably what actually got me sort of interested is totally you know, right yeah. let's be honest with ourselves it, 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 you know it was around that um because I didn't know necessarily that when I actually met him um that he was going to be this type of character and that's perhaps why I was saying um I thought he was going to be more as an advisor um but then you know when I met him I was just outstanding about his knowledge of where he felt as well that all the different social networks were, were going to go that it was almost a no-brainer to bring him on as um, a co-founder. And he's opened up so many doors for us as well from almost bringing on board the sort of creators that we've got on board, but also bringing on board more advisors to us collectively. Some people who were advisors to him over the years and helped him grow up, you know, his YouTube channel. And then on the same side as well, obviously naturally having one of the world's biggest influencers on board has that sort of validation where, you know, going back to when we were talking about the imposter syndrome, when you know you're you're turning up to a meeting and someone's thinking, "Who's this 21 year old trying to preach to me about where I should spend my marketing budgets?" And then you're like, and then you know you're opening a bit in the pitches. Oh, and the business is co-founded by Casper. People are like, oh shit, I should probably listen. Yeah, it was it opened doors for you, which is a smart way to do it. And you were thinking, well, how can I open doors? And that's how I'm going to do it. You you know, so you-, you should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You did this, you found your co-founder in Casper, and then you started the business. I mean, for me, I always find the tricky thing is, is when you start to hire individuals and you start doing that process. Because there are a lot of people who are starting the business and they're probably thinking, wait, do I hire someone now? Do I get someone as freelance? Uh, how do I? When, when you start to employ your first employee on a salary, was that a scary moment? Because then not only are you looking after other people's money, you're also looking after someone else's career. 
That must be a stressful moment. <laughs> you know, one of the most stressful moments because you're also thinking about then consistently, I've got to make sure that every month we can pay their salary. And I think when you're going down that sort of route, um, it's, okay, well, every business decision you make, you have to be a little bit less risky as such because you don't want to ruin their lives by them <laughs> taking that risk into you, as you were saying earlier, Ed. Um, and I think, um, you know, um, the first employee that I actually hired was someone called Hester. And she's still with us today, which is awesome. And like, you know, she really is, um, I guess, you know, one of the main rocks within the business. Um, she's pretty much done every role possible in the business from working in sales in the early days. I even got her to try and do some like website design. Um, <laughs> honestly, she was a bit like, I've never done this then. What are you doing? Um, to then moving on to campaign management. And now she's actually our head of brand, um, which is, you know, our head of marketing um, because she knows the business inside out and she knows how we can, you know, use all of those guerrilla marketing t- tactics and even when we have raised a little bit of money now to not let that change path where we just suddenly spend on things we wouldn't usually spend to keep those guerrilla marketing tactics but just amplify the level and the size of them it's incredibly interesting ben and obviously has come such a a long long way you mentioned a couple of minutes ago that casper talks a lot about you know the trends within social media and perhaps the platforms that are emerging and what's next for our listeners and, and for jamie and i as well i'm really Interested. What is your view of the kind of digital landscape at the moment? And what are you, what are you telling people to, to be keeping an eye on? I mean, there's so many things going on from, you know, Instagram hiding likes, which for me is one of the most amazing things because... Just quickly on that, have they, where have they launched that? So um, they've recently just launched it in the States now as well, um, but they were testing it in areas like Australia first. Um, but the reason why it's so amazing for me is because likes are a bit of a bullshit metric, right? They don't really mean anything. Um, whereas um, what we always say as well when we're looking at creators is look at the deeper engagement metrics, look at the things which actually matter, the things like the saves, the shares, the clicks that people obtain from their stories. Um, and that's from a marketing perspective. But even from you know, just a creator posting organic content, like shouldn't necessarily matter because it's creating a lot of mental health issues on social media, which for us especially um, influence something which we take really, really seriously. So we consistently work with a charity called Young Minds. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar yeah, with Young Minds. I've but worked with them They do times. a fantastic job um, with supporting young people who have mental health issues. And, um, you know, any way which we can help um, reduce the number of um, people suffering from mental health, um, then we, we, you know, we always try and do, um, so we, we do regular like events with them where we get influencers opening up and talking about their experiences because it is really important to talk and that's how you can encourage others to talk. Um, and then we've even done like video series actually um, where we've got influencers to actually amplify it through their own networks and then be honest and open about it. Very good. Yeah, no, I think that's amazing. So uh, I think it's great how Instagram are doing that as well. They're hiding likes because, of course, what happens is, is as it does, it, it, you then become obsessed with, the, the again, that validation of being liked all the time. Um, it's interesting. So with you guys, you started to build the business. You employed one person. Uh, and then how many employees do you have now? That's a good question. It's over 40 I know that's that. amazing. 40 people in how many years? Three years? Yeah. So three years since we've yeah properly started growing it. Um, and we're opening up an office in New York in January. Um, we've also just opened up an office in Kiev. That doesn't include the 40. Um, but Kiev's more of a like, development hub as such. But New York's really, really exciting. Because um, it's just, you know, 
a fresh market to us where we're already working with clients and creators out, out there. But it's great opportunity for a lot of the UK staff as well to be going over and, you know, I guess um, exposing them to what the market out is out there. Because, uh, you know, a lot of these um, staff members and one stat I'm really proud of is we've only ever had one person quit influencer. Anyone else has parted ways, should we say? Um, but... <laughs> The, the the one the, the one employee who's actually quite um, she's actually subsequently just asked for a job <laughs> so you know it's a good presence of the you know the culture that we've created internally but for me this whole point was around a lot of people have joined us on a journey where at the start of the journey influencer perhaps you know wasn't reaching the levels which it currently is now and they took that gamble on us and it's important you know for one of me you know one of my biggest um, values is around loyalty. So it's important that as the business scales up, you remain loyal to those who are loyal to you at the start. Mm -hmm. um, so what I was saying about New York was, um, you know, if that, you know, a, a lot of your UK stuff as you're expanding wants to explore the, U the US as an opportunity, you should give them that, that confidence where if they say it, they can do it. Well, you gave them the confidence in, in the, you know, that's a great way to. So how important do you think creating a, a positive culture in a workplace is? probably one of the most important things. And it's one of the things which we've recently fleshed out much more. And it's something which um, I wish we'd actually fleshed out even further at the start. Um, because, you know, as a business, and this is something which people should really, really um, consider is it's much cheaper to retain staff than it is to consistently find new staff. Um, so it's really important to invest into your current staff. And whether that's just promoting, you know, a fun culture, which could be, you know, something like, you know, a work hard, play hard attitude where um, you're allowing people the time off if they are working considerably hard and, you know, getting big deals in. Um, but also from that same note, it's not necessarily make them feel like it's actually work. So, you know, we we have certain core values and influence, so one of which is, you know, break boundaries together, which is all about that internally what, what we're doing is everything's, you know, that team mentality, we're all going for that same goal. Um, you know, we have other ones, which is roll up the sleeves and that's, you know, getting in that hard work, but also from the, from the same side, getting in that hard work um, together, as I mentioned. Um, and I guess the most important one, which is don't just follow influence for us, which is everything we're doing is leading, everything we're doing is cutting edge. Um, and we're not copying other people. We're thinking about new ways consistently. And that shines through in all of our work together. I love it. Yeah, do you know, Sounds Ben, you, you are definitely rolling up the sleeves because also, you know, you've done another round of uh, of funding and you raised three million in, again, 24 hours. It seems to be your number, 24 hours. <laughs> the magic number. You seem I mean, to it do wasn't that. quite 24 hours. It's all, yeah, but that's, in, that's incredible. That's amazing. And uh, three million pounds is a lot of money to do. You guys are... But it, was that exciting? Why did you decide to raise more money to someone out there who is perhaps thinking about raising money? Uh, again, what point do you think you need more cash? So are you running out of cash? Did you need more cash? Yeah, it's really interesting. So we were actually making a profit <laughs> before we went for this investment round. Um, but we had a look at the market and there was a lot of companies out there now entering the influence marketing space. And we basically took the view that there was a lot of companies scaling up and spending a lot of money to create noise, hiring, you know, more and more people. And 
there, I, th I think there'll be only a few winners within the influencer marketing space. So what we basically took the decision was, let's raise some more capital because we've done very well to sustain to where we are. But one of the key parts to our business is our technology. So it's our technology mixed with our creative strategy, I'd say. Um, and we have a lot of visionaries within the company. So as I mentioned, you know, about Caspi's got a lot of ideas. So I wouldn't want necessarily that our speed of getting stuff out in our tech um, to not be there where ideas which, you know, we feel could influence the industry um, wouldn't come to the market quick enough because we didn't have a big enough tech team. So that's why we actually went for the investment. And it was also attached to obviously um, opening offices abroad to help, again, broaden our horizons. Um, but the purpose, you know, of raising money is it's something where, you know, some companies do it because they run out of cash and they, and they need to. But it's also thinking about why? Because equity is one of the most important things. Um, so just on the the running out of money, um, cash flow can be something which is, you know, a really difficult thing in a lot of businesses. But there's also important things to think about um, around are there other solutions than just raising money? Um, so there's a great company out there which we used called Fastpay. And this is just sort of an advice. But, um, but Fastpay helps with people who have a lot of invoices which just aren't getting paid by clients because what you're seeing is you're bringing in the deals, but yet your bank balance is just going down and down and down. And then you're thinking, but on paper, it's going up and up and up. Mm. Um, so there are businesses out there such as Fastpay which can help people get the money directly from Fastpay, almost like as, I guess, a factoring loan. It's like a loan, right, yeah. It's essentially, but it means that they don't have to actually raise capital as a business, um, because as I said, you know, cash flow can be one of the most biggest headaches to any mm. entrepreneur when you're suddenly thinking, as I was saying, you know, your cash balance is going down and down and down, but on paper, it's actually technically going up and up and up, but the, the clients haven't paid. Um, so relieve that stress as such by thinking about that as a solution um, and not just thinking, okay, I have to raise more money. I have to raise more money because that could be a common misconception. Um, and then attached to what I was saying about um, not giving too much equity, you know, away. There's two bits to this. So my uncle's a venture capitalist and he would always say to me, don't give any equity away, you know, especially not to venture capitalists. Equity is the most important thing to hold on to. And I, I would certainly agree in part, but also from the same note, I've given equity away to, you know, advisors, to other people in the business. And I certainly haven't looked back at all um, because sometimes you know, you don't want to give cash to someone um, because ultimately that can, again, worsen off your actual cash flow. But also, if you're giving equity to someone and they take equity as their form of payment to get involved in the business, you know that they're going to be much more committed mm -hmm. to actually the future success because ultimately they're only going to ever make money if that equity becomes worth something more than when they're actually given it. Um, so I do think equity is something which... Um, you know, you can be giving out to people as long as you have A, the right agreements in place and B, you make sure what you want to get back for that equity. No, Ben, you, it's a fascinating story. I just want to uh, ask uh, sort of one of the last questions and it's, uh, you know, what piece of advice have you lived by um, and you've you've gone by? Because there are lots of things that I've gone by, Ed's gone by. What have you, you know, you, you lived by? Because you're passionate, you're driven, you are innovative and you know what you want uh, and you understand what success is, right? You understand that you have a purpose and you do it every single day. But what kind of, uh, what kind of sort of motto, I suppose, or, or philosophy do you live by? I guess, you know, one of the main ones is don't be afraid to make mistakes. 
And I think as cliche as that sounds, and you're consistently told it in school, you're consistently told it by your parents. But I think it's so important to make mistakes because that's how you actually develop and learn. And I think, you know, there is so many times when I've been put in situations um, where I'm almost bound to make a mistake than <laughs> sort of, you know, the lack of preparation, perhaps even if it's something like, you know, you get a call and someone says, oh, would you, would you mind doing this talk on a stage tomorrow? And you're thinking, um, there's absolutely no way I can pull this off. But you go out and just do it because you can make the mistake and you can learn about how next time to make sure you actually do it much better and how you're much more prepared. Um, so I'd say as a word of advice, you know, don't be afraid to make mistakes. And that also stems onto what we were talking about earlier in terms of, you know, sending those cheeky messages out to people to ask for advice because ultimately you know, what's worse that can happen, you can rebuild from that. It's totally Absolutely. true. I think stand-up comics are, are, are that the best form of that. Stand-up comics go and try material on different nights just to see if it works or not, and sometimes it fails, sometimes it's a success. But be a stand-up comic. Go and try your material. If it fails, it doesn't matter. You can try something else. Learn from your mistakes. Ben, incredible. Love that. Amazing story, Ben. Thank you so much. And so much amazing advice out there. There's lots of little nuggets in what you've... Uh, just told us. I'm sure people will be listening back to this for a long time to come. Thank you so, so much. And just before we finish, I want to ask you a question that we ask every guest before they leave us. If you were to start a new business tomorrow, something completely different, um, putting you on the spot a little bit here, perhaps, but if you were going to start something completely new tomorrow, what would it be and why? So I think, you know, currently right now, Infants is a B2B business. So I'm selling to other businesses, but I'm really, really interested in the B2C space. Um, there's probably a big gap in the market in the vegan sweets. No, I'm, joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Um, but in good. terms of like, you know, a B2C market, um, I think it would be something really interesting to do. And I think, you know, um, we've worked with clients such as the Boohoo's of the world, the Pretty Little Things of the world. And I'm really interested in that type of model but in a sustainability um, way and looking actually how can we, you know, build out a business which has sustainability at the forefront um, and is actually an honest and truthful company, not that those companies aren't, but honest and truthful in its messaging um, and actually offers to give back to the environment. Because that's something which is, you know, really big for me as well, um, looking in sustainability. Yep, fantastic. Couldn't agree more. Sounds like a great business. Uh, no, Ben, thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for coming on Move. I, I, I love that. I can't thank wait. You so I'm going to listen to this. Ben, final wait. one more. Sorry, if people one wanted more. to get in touch with you, where can they find you? Um, just either send me an email, which is beninfluencer.com, or follow me on Instagram, which is Ben W. Jeffries. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ben. Ben, thank you so much. Uh, listeners, uh, go and check out Influencer. Go and check out Ben Jeffries on Instagram. And we will see you next week. Goodbye. Ed, do you know what? When I was a kid, right, when I was a kid, I remember being about five, six years old. I remember my parents used to put on this French TV show called Moosey. It was about this guy eating clocks. It's like a French cartoon. I used to sit there with my brother and says, I used to be frustrated because I was like, I don't want to be a child. I don't want to be watching this. I want to grow up. I want to be there quickly. I feel like Ben's the same thing. 19 years old, Bath University, studying a good degree, and he thought, I don't want to do this. I'm going to change it. I'm going to go and start a business I have not that much experience with, not that much experience in the world. And he went and did it. That kind of, that Courage is what I admire in young businessmen. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sat here now feeling pretty old after all of that. We have done okay. <laughs> we've been out there and we've done it ourselves. Sure. Followed a fairly similar path to Ben, actually, in some ways. But 
what he's achieving for his age, I mean, I know he said that he doesn't want people to reference it like that, but you just can't help it. He really has gone out there and built an incredible business, but it's made that much more incredible when you do consider that he's done that at the age he has. But also, you know, he, he being 19 years old, he wanted the validation to say, to know that he was making the right decision. So he emailed the guy, uh, as he says in the podcast, he emailed him and the guy said, no, listen, don't quit university, keep on. But he still went and did it. He still stuck to his guns, even though he wanted that little bit of validation. He didn't, he didn't follow what well, people said. Well, I think say. sometimes you've got to ask people for their advice, but you've also got to know what's, what's true in, your, in yourself. And it, you have to go for that sometimes, no matter what. Exactly. Basically, what I'm trying to say is just follow your gut. Your gut is normally right. People may say different things everyone has an opinion but at the end of the day follow your gut absolutely and what's the worst that can happen if it goes wrong you start again so absolutely love that loads of practical tips i think to take away from that today thank you so much ben Thank you so much for listening. Honestly, it really does mean a huge amount. And we also hope today's podcast has inspired you to move towards your dream or passion. Now, if you like the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a comment. And if you'd like to get in touch, please email us at move at moveclub.co.uk or follow us on Instagram at moveclub. Until next time, this is Move. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.